Anchor FM is one of the best ways to make and distribute your podcasts. Their online creative tools can allow you to make your podcasts from home and on the go. Anchor will also help you get your podcast sponsored with no minimum listenership and help you make money while doing your podcast. And distribution is the easiest thing ever. I've used many different distribution sites. Anchor so far has been the best. And they can get you on every major distribution site out there. They can take your RSS feed, whether you're creating a new one or if you're just moving a show from another platform, sign up for Anchor at anchor.fm now. And when you get there, Make sure you pay attention to everything they tell you to do, and they'll help make your podcast great and help make you some money. Again, head on over to Anchor.fm now. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash Jump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New. WowFreeCam.com and Facebook.com slash MakeupKennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the host of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. What's up, everybody? It is another episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. We are coming at you today. And there is a fly around here somewhere buzzing around in my ear <laughs> but it's a wide men can't jump we're coming at you brought to you by the law offices of Stephen p new wowfreecam.com we've got a big show headed your way i'm waiting to be joined by my co-host for this evening but we've got some big games coming around uh this weekend and excuse me not this weekend but this week uh, a lot of changes in the nba a lot of interesting developments. We've got a huge, huge episode coming your way. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of things to dive into. And joining me this week on that adventure will be Tr himself, Tom Robinson. Whenever he jumps on here. But first, we do want to take a quick second, and we're going to look at some of the NBA action that has happened over the past few days as well. Here we go. Now we're joined by Tom. What's up, TR? What up, wide man? Hey, it's you and I this evening kicking it old school. Uh, mm. The old way of doing things. Nate and TR, back like like the good old days. But we got a yeah, great back, show lined up. Back in the 90s when we started. <laughs> the old reunion tour we got going on right now. But um, before we get into what we were going to get into, let's take a look at some of the games from last uh, the, over the past week here that probably need to be highlighted a little bit. First, let's look at the, the game last Thursday, the Houston Rockets-Golden State Warriors game. Don't know if you saw it. A couple things to take away from this game. Um, number one, James Harden. You got to tip your hat to the guy in this one. I've been gri- and I'm going to gripe about him here in a few minutes, but 44 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists, hits the game winner. Went 13 of 32 shooting, uh only shot nine free throws. So that's uh it's impressive for Harden, but 10 of 23 from 3, finished at plus 5, hit the game winning shot in overtime to put the Rockets over the Warriors. You you got to be impressed with this guy over the past stretch here, even though he's been getting a lot of assists from the officials. 
shooting the ball from the free throw line, but still impressive nonetheless. Harden, Harden's absolutely an all-star and, and all-NBA, et cetera. But the one thing I hate about him is he doesn't shoot enough. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been been encouraging that he's been pulling up a couple more shots every game. So, got to be excited about yeah, that. I mean, he has that Ben Simmons uh, illness going on, going on. He's always he's always had it. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, the not, the other thing we need to look at from this game was the out-of-bounds call on Kevin Durant. Did you see that? You know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, was it the save that he was clearly out of bounds? Yeah, the save Steph that he was ended clearly up out of bounds. Yeah, and they didn't for, blow the like, whistle. Not, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they just missed it. Uh, the, I remember the, the comment. I think Reggie Miller was commentating. Whoever was just, how do you miss that, et cetera. But, well, uh, the save that he made – Put the uh, put the Warriors up by two. He made the save. It goes to Steph Curry, who shoots and makes the shot, and that puts the Warriors up by two. If Harden doesn't make that just insane three-point shot with people right in his face, there's a serious gripe there. There's a, you know, luckily no harm, no foul, but the I was listening to Scottie Pippen, who said that officiating crew should be banned from <laughs> – doing playoff games. He said, if you can't make that call, you're clearly not focused on your job. Yeah, I mean, it seemed pretty easy. Uh, but in real time, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it was a little bit contrived. Who knows? I don't know. Tim Donahue. <laughs> Tim Donahue. <laughs> Tim Donahue. Last time I talked to Tim Donahue, he says, I bet you 10 bucks they win. So, who knows? <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, just kind of scrolling through the schedule here, you, you see teams that are doing what they're supposed to do. You know, Indiana's winning. Boston looks like they're getting on track. You know, there's, there was a few games, you know, the Bucks and the Raptors. The Raptors finally beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee. Giannis had 43-18. and 18, Kawhi had 30. So that's looking like a showdown that's going to that's gonna hit in, in the East somewhere sometime. But another game that – we're going to talk about here in a few minutes is on Sunday, my Timberwolves um, defeat the Lakers 108 to 86, blew them out. Wasn't even close. The reason I bring that game up is because it is the, it is the last game coached by Tom Thibodeau as a Minnesota Timberwolves coach and GM. Yeah. I I need to get the four one one as Steve Austin would say, how do how do you get axed after a 22 point victory? I need to hear more. Well, I guess it could start by the fact that he was playing his starters. Um, they were up by 20 with less than five minutes to go, and he was still playing Towns and Wiggins and Teague and all those guys. They were still in the game. No, you know, they, they dominated the game, but yet he still has the starters in the game with five minutes left. And he's still coaching, mm. still trying to, you know, micromanaging. It was, it was It's absurd just what was going on. Um Hopefully I can get a Wolves insider on within the next week to talk about what happened there. I've been in discussions with John Krasinski, so hopefully I can get John on next week and we'll talk a little bit of, uh, about what happened there, especially with Ryan Saunders has taken over as coach. But, yeah, Tibbs, uh, this was a long time coming. Now, I know uh, Michael Wilbon on uh, 
Sports Center, or not on Sports Center, but on Pardon the Interruption. And I normally won't call out names like that. Yeah, I normally won't call out bullshit. But I'm normally not going to put somebody on blast like that. But he said he thinks the Wolves need to lose every game for the rest of the season for doing this. That firing Coach Thibodeau was a mistake. Okay, listen. I know you're busy with your t- your show, and I know that you don't pay attention to the NBA, Michael Wilbon, and that's fine. But this firing, everyone's saying it came out of nowhere. This firing is about, oh, I don't know, three months too late. When this whole Jimmy Butler situation started, this guy should have been gone. And I called it at the beginning of the year when this whole situation was going. That this, he will not survive the season, and um, I was right again. But, hey, I don't make the millions of dollars to be right, so what do I know? But he was fired. He was relieved of his GM and coaching duties. He just, you know, it just wasn't working out. And right now they've got Ryan Saunders stepping in as the coach, the son of Flip Saunders. There's been rumors that Fred Hoiberg may be brought in. We haven't heard heard 100% yet. I'm interested to see what Ryan Saunders is going to do. I think Ryan Saunders is a good fit. I think... You know, you learn from his dad. He's actually younger than three of the players on the team. So he's going to become the youngest head coach in the NBA right now, even though it's a, an interim basis. But from what I've read, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, John Krasinski, apparently this was a move looked at quarterly, and a lot of coaches have been let go from Minnesota midway through the season. This is not anything new, but apparently – you know, some of the not only the owner, but a lot of the a lot of the the board was very upset with the way things were going. They didn't like the way Tibbs was handling things. They felt they could be better. He didn't relate to the players. It just it didn't work. It wasn't working. And I think they saw the wear and tear that was t- happening to the Timberwolves team. And Ryan Saunders apparently met with every player on the T Wolves roster. Um, the other day, I think yesterday, if I had to, on Monday, um, he met with every player and asked them what they wanted out of this, uh, being on this team, what kind of role they're looking for. Rocco's hurt. Rose has been hurt. Uh, and Tibbs has been, and when they're healthy, Tibbs is playing them 40 minutes. You can't do that. <laughs> Rose doesn't need to be playing 40 minutes. You know, Rocco doesn't need to be playing 40 minutes. And I'm looking at guys like Josh Akogi, Anthony Tolliver, guys on the bench, who could come in and give you, even if it's 10 minutes, they could give you some valuable minutes off the bench, but he was so dead set on playing everybody 40, 45 minutes. And Wiggins and Towns are playing all those minutes, and it's just like, dude, take a breath. Let them rest. They need to rest. Otherwise, they're, they're going to be useless, and you're going to kill their careers early on. So I think not only did this save Wiggins and Towns' careers, this, this may actually get more players on the court for the Wolves. How many minutes has Dario been putting in? You know, Dario's been getting like 20. And I feel like he could get more. Tibbs is is a starters guy. He wants to play his starters. He wants them to get about 40 minutes. Dario's in the, you know, he's like the sixth man behind Rose. He's getting roughly 20 minutes a game. And uh, not much else. And Dario's numbers have dropped some, but his production's been good whenever he's in there. Whenever Rocco's playing, Dario's been in there with Towns. I love the I love the Towns at the five and the Dario at the four. It works so well. But Tibbs is, you know, I got to play my starters. I don't know. It just seems like an outdated system. A guy that doesn't need to be around young talent in the league. And he's gone. 
hallelujah, uh, he's gone. So I can breathe easy I, again. I'm very excited. I saw a, a blurb on the internet when I was uh, scrolling pre uh, before the firing. Um, Towns had like you know 25 and 15 or something. Yeah. I don't know the exact numbers, but he he had a solid you know performance and um, a reporter joked that um, Thibodeau actually gave him a compliment or something. Um, oh yeah. So apparently, so apparently there was a you know he had that stern uh, militant attitude you know off the court as well. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. I, I did see that clip because the uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny actually. Uh, he said, Coach Thibodeau said you've been doing a great job. And Carl said, whoa, 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 wait. Coach Tibbs said I did something good? And he said, yeah. He said, wow, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, I figured you would you would know the exact quote, so that's why I brought it up. Yeah, he, he did say that. And uh, is, is that not kind of sad? You know, you can't just pat a guy on the back and say, hey, good job. I understand that they're, you know, they're young guys. And they need to, you know, they kind of need to learn, you know, pat yourself on the back. But, you know, is there anything wrong with saying, hey, man, you did you did good tonight. Here's what you can improve on. You got to be such a micromanager like like Tibbs. I just don't understand it. Tibbs has been filled with the spirit and the ghost of my my deceased father. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have games where three kids and myself would, you know, my dad would drive and I'd have like 29, 15 assists and eight rebounds and the other dude would get like one rebound. And he'd be like, that was a great box out there, Kreiser. <laughs> like, I'd get nothing <laughs> the whole ride home. The way it goes, like, right? And, and, and there's a lot of dads that are like that. So, you know, maybe Tibbs wanted them to be, to look at like a, uh, like a dad, but yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it went over that well. Most of them just were pissed at him the whole time. I know Wiggins. I I could probably I could feel Wiggins dancing whenever that announcement came through. But apparently, a lot of people uh, in the Wolves organization were they were surprised when the firing came down. I was surprised it came down when it did. I figured they would have got rid of him sooner, or at least waited and got you know like. After a bad loss, you don't usually fire a guy after a 25-point win. It's kind of like Craig on Friday getting fired on your day off, you know? <laughs> I don't know, man. It shocked me. But like I said, I haven't had my finger on the pulse and since I had that busy, busy stretch at work. But trying to get back up to date right now. Um, yeah. Not not to flip gears, but I just taped a Duke game that's impending in a, in a little bit as we as we're taping. Yeah, and that that's a whole other story that we'll get into later on. But um, let's go ahead, Tr. And before we talk with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's before we talk with Tom Moore, who's joining us today on this episode. Uh, we talk a little. We actually talk a little Philadelphia Eagles. I, I did that for you. I talked to Tom about the Philadelphia Eagles for just a couple minutes, and then we dive well, who into the isn't, Who who isn't? talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, my god. Do you feel like do you feel like we're kind of looking back uh, a year ago and uh, I told Tom if the Eagles win this weekend against the Saints that we'd have him back on next week just for the juju because apparently that means we're good luck if we talk Eagles on the show and we'll get Tom back on next week if the Eagles win. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, we'll see what sounds happens. good. Sounds good to me. But before but we, yeah, before that, we, that, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's like deja vu, man. It's uh, it's crazy. I wrote them off. Like I, I plead guilty to I'm being uh, one of the guys that wrote them off uh, when New Orleans killed them and they couldn't beat Dallas and et cetera. And St. Nick came through and, uh, you know, double doink field goals and everything else. It's like, doesn't make sense, but it's good that it's happening for us once, for once, for twice, I should say. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's going to be interesting. If they can win Sunday, they've got a legitimate ch- – or, or I don't know if they play Saturday or Sunday, but I think they play Sunday. They can win Sunday against the Saints. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Guide. <laughs> <laughs> but if if they can uh, – if they, they have a legitimate chance, I think. If they can win Sunday, then they, there's no reason why they can't win, win out. Um, yeah. But before we move on, talk Sixers, uh, Chauncey Billups was discussed to replace the vacant GM position in Minnesota, and Fred Hoiberg has been uh, at the top of the list per Adrian Wojnarowski to to discuss, uh, or excuse me, to take over as the coach. So the firing of Thibodeau now has ended the combo package of GM and coach in the NBA, and uh, good riddance. Tom Thibodeau. I was so excited when Tibbs got hired. Now I just, I can't stand him. So it be that as all a, it is all a master plan tied in with Jimmy Butler challenging Brett Brown to have Tibbs and Butler come secretly with this pact earlier in the summer to come to Philadelphia and straighten out those two pussies Embiid and Simmons. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about it then. Uh, the news broke. Jimmy Butler, quote unquote, challenges the coach Brett Brown. Now, again, a lot of people are saying that this is something that happens more often than people think. Um, I know Tom Moore said that it, it probably got blown out of proportion, but it's Jimmy Butler challenging a coach. It's going to make news. And this guy seems to – he has one of those TR black clouds that kind of follow him everywhere he goes. Uh, granted, granted, he's got millions of dollars, so he's not doing too bad. But no. he's uh, – it just seems like he's the kind of guy that's like – I don't know. It just seems like he's the common denominator. When, it, when, when shit goes wrong, Jimmy Butler just always seems to be there. Well, uh, as far as – you know, you'll have to smart me up as as to what you know um, on the situation. But if it is a legitimate, uh, if it is a gripe, so to speak, about you know um, running the offense through him or you know arguably Embiid, but the rest of it, they usually Brett Brown usually draws up a play for JJ to win it. And his thirty-four-year-old legs from like ninety feet, you know, and he, or he just has some fucked-up thing that doesn't make sense. So, I mean, pre-Jimmy Butler, I know, I know, I'm pro-Jimmy Butler here, but um, I'm a little biased. But pre-Jimmy Butler, I would, you know, I often question Brett Brown's uh, strategies, but you know, I have to hear Again, more before I. Well, I mean, I, I honestly, you know about what I know right now. Um, depending on, you know, who you ask. And luckily Tom Moore kind of gave me a heads up 
Um, I think it's getting blown out of proportion, and I'd be the first to throw Butler under the bus. Trust me. If there was ever anybody driving, I'd be driving the bus and see Jimmy Butler stepping on the curb, and I would slowly pull over. Um, Not slowly. I'd actually speed up. But, Butler, I think this is kind of getting blown out of proportion. I think Philly is just a mixed bag. You've got three guys in Philly who all want to be the man. Joel Embiid, who's clearly the face of Joel Embiid's clearly the face of the franchise. That's going to be your horse you hit your wagon to. You bring in an all-star in Jimmy Butler, who has been sour ever since Chicago when he figured out, hey, I can't be the leading man on a team. I can't take a team where it needs to be. I'm I'm always going to be, you know, Robin to Batman if I want to be successful. Every time I try to be Batman, it turns into, it turns into Nightwing, and we don't want to talk about that. So that's Butler's issue. I don't even get that reference, but it sounds funny. That's a comic book reference. Uh, <laughs> I, I figured that. Actually, Nightwing's not that bad, but still, it's no Batman. But And then you got Ben Simmons, who, of the three of them, was taken overall number one. He was the number one draft pick with all the hype coming out of LSU. This is a guy that's saying, hey, you know, what What about Ben Simmons? You know, what about me? What about Raven? What about Ben Simmons? I'm, uh, you know, I'm the guy who, who came out number one. I, do, I get the triple doubles. I do this, I do that, and I think his ego, and, and neither none of these guys are friends by any stretch. It's kind of like a, a quiet scream right now in Philadelphia. They're, they're tolerating each other, and it's going to come to a head. Yeah. And Brett Brown's trying to balance three massive egos with a lack of wing production because they traded Sarge and Rocco. They've traded all their wings. All they have is Wilson Chandler, and they need a wing player. So bad they can't stand it. And... He's having a time right now. They're winning, but is Philadelphia better now than they were last year? No, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think they're better now. I think they're about the same, maybe, but because they're about the same, the East has gotten so much better that they're actually slipping a little bit. That's just me. No, that's the record. The record would indicate that as well because – there's no there's no key injuries and in the, are they five behind uh, everybody else six maybe? Um, I believe Toronto. they're actually right now. I believe they're four right now. They're in front of Boston, um, but only by a couple games. Now they're clearly a top echelon team in the East, but right now the East is looking like if I, if the playoffs started today, we're looking at Milwaukee as the one, Toronto as the two, Indiana the three. Philly the four, Boston the five. And then once you go from Boston down to Miami at six, there's about a five-game drop-off there, about five-and-a-half games uh, between Boston and Miami. So the the East is kind of separating itself a little bit from the rest of the pack, whereas the West right now, uh, 14th place is Dallas, and they're nine games back of first, whereas sixth place in the East is nine games back of first. So. That kind of sums that up for you. But Philly Philly has won three in a row. So, you know, we're not it's not all doom and gloom. They play the Wizards on Tuesday night and then they got the the Wizards again on Wednesday. They play at home uh Tuesday night and then they're home or they're at Washington on uh Wednesday night. So you got two back they got a back to back there. But they did their last game was uh, a loss to the Trailblazers in Portland, which is a tough place to win, but they haven't lost a game in 2019 I, yet. So, I, wa- I watched that game, and uh, 
I was pointing out uh, to my girl that that little white guy, number 12, TJ McConnell, is playing one of the unsung heroes of the NBA and Damian Lillard. Uh, they, they had that matchup a lot. And, you know, I'm, by no means did he shut him down, but that was the first half when C.J. McCollum all of a sudden scored 26. Those little things that I point out about that, quote, not an NBA player, T.J., uh, when he matches up with somebody that doesn't, you know, have six inches on him, he plays them tough. And uh, he didn't shut them down, but McCollum was the 1A, or I'm sorry, the 1, and and, uh, Lillard was the 1A until, you know, they brought Shamit and whoever else, you know, Ben Simmons was on him from time to time, et cetera. And then he was Damian Lillard. He, the, TJ's just continuing to be a pain in the ass. And if he went to a, uh, you know, a top team, like a top tippy top, like a, you know, a Golden State type team and just played that defense, I mean, I, I hope that kid gets a championship somewhere because I don't, I don't see it happening here. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a good player. It's, he may get one, but it's a matter of, of being in the right place. And I mean, how many good players have we seen over the years that didn't get championships, but yeah. you know, who knows? Who knows? But uh, since we're talking Sixers TR, let's go ahead and get to, uh, let's hear a little word from our sponsors and we'll get to my conversation with Tom Moore on the state of the Sixers uh, right now. So we'll go ahead and take a listen to that and we'll be back right after this. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by New Law Office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways. That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, attorney at law, answers to your legal questions. Well, joining me now is... The sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, or let me butcher that real quick, the Bucks County Courier Times, <laughs> former guest and a favorite of ours on the show, Tom Moore. Tom, thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you. Oh, anytime. You're always welcome here. But before we talk 76ers, and I know this is a basketball program, uh, Tom Robinson would have my head if we don't mention Fly Eagles Fly, the Philadelphia Eagles, victorious in their playoff weekend. In Chicago, um, few th- didn't, uh, myself included, few thought they could, but they did. They picked up a big win there. Uh, what, what's going on with the Eagles here? Is it looking like last season all over again? Do you think they got a good chance heading into New Orleans next weekend? 
Boy, logically, you wouldn't think so with, you know, the Saints rested and the Saints uh, November 18 beat them 48-7 to down there and Drew Brees and, you know, the New Orleans being the favorite to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, the, there's not a lot of logic. I mean, the, the Eagles were 4-6 and six when, the, when New Orleans blew them out uh, November 18th and won three games to end the regular season, including in, in L.A. against the Rams when the Rams were 11-2. and two. And then with the biggest underdog last weekend and six and a half point underdog and, you know, one by one after that incredible uh, Cody Parkey field goal that was deflected at the line of scrimmage and hit the upright and the goalpost and fell back. So, uh, you know, I think they're nine point underdogs uh, Sunday. Um, you would think this is how it, when it ends. Uh, but as I said, that there hasn't been a lot of logic involved with what's happened with the Eagles and, you know, Nick Foles somehow, you know, again. He's the third quarterback since the NFL-AFL merger in 1970 to beat the team with the number one scoring defense, regular season scoring defense in consecutive playoff uh, seasons. The other two are Joe Montana and John Elway. Uh, so, not, again, not A couple saying, guys you he, may have heard he, of, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good company. Um, and he did not play. They only scored three points in the first half. He really did not play especially well in the first half. But he just kind of seemed so calm. And, uh, you know, on a late touchdown drive, fourth down conversions, big plays, it doesn't seem like he gets rattled by anything. And I think, the you know, I think the uh, I think the players in the huddle kind of that, you know, trickles down. And they don't, you know, they kind of do the same. But, you know, I don't know. It's very surprising. You know, six seed and and uh, and, every, and all that. I you know, I again logically think they lose this this week uh, for any number of reasons. But you just never know. Well, uh, one thing I will say about them is I took the Bears uh, this weekend in our pickums and uh, I lost. Uh, then again, I took uh, I also took the Seahawks and I also went with uh, oh shoot. I forgot who the other – well, the other team that didn't win. I, I, the only one I got right was the Texans? Chargers all weekend. So Yeah, I you, took, you the, took Texans. the Texans. Yeah. over the Colts, yeah. Oh, I yeah. like the I mean, Colts. I, well, Frank, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator here, and they, they remind me a lot of the Eagles. They're playing their best down the stretch. Their defense is better. Uh, quarterback Andrew Luck is playing his best. Uh, you know, I don't know that they're going to, you know, going to be able to, uh, you know, keep it going, but, you know, that's a team to certainly watch going forward. Yeah, and the Eagles, one thing I like about the Eagles is they just have this never-say-die attitude. Um, and, you know, I'm not even really an Eagles fan per se, but it, they've been fun right. to watch from afar. And it's been one of those things where I sit back and I go, how did they keep doing it? But, yet, yeah, here they are, yep. still rolling. Yep. One, yep. One, interesting little, one interesting little fact that I'm going to throw in there about the Eagles um, or not about the Eagles, but about the uh, about the Saints. The New Orleans Saints, when they won the Super Bowl in 2010, mm-hmm. were 13 and three heading into the playoffs. They were the number one seed, and the only games they had lost were to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers, and the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season. The New Orleans Saints heading into this year's playoffs are 13 and three number one seed, and they have lost to the Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Dallas Cowboys. That's uh, amazing. Kinda, 
It is. It's it's really weird. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, Maybe that, they could... that they would even be playing the same playing the same teams and all that stuff because you know they're not all divisional games. So yeah, crazy. It is. But let's go ahead and jump over to the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. There's a uh, a little bit of there's a little bit of news making making waves right now. The Sixers are actually performing and playing some of their best basketball. They're on a three game win streak right now. Haven't lost since the calendar turned to January. But Jimmy Butler's kind of made some waves recently with uh, quote-unquote challenging Coach Brett Brown. Uh, what are you hearing about this? What's, what's going on? Is the media, maybe the national media, making too much out of this? But, but what's going on with Jimmy Butler right now with the 76ers? Yeah, I was not at practice uh, today, but he did talk at practice and said it was just a conversation and, you know, nothing, you know, he has, you know, in the past, called out coaches and teammates, but he said, you know, when I do it, you, you know it. And he said, this was just, he said, they talk a lot. This is just a conversation. Um, Brett Brown, Saturday night's game um, against the Mavericks, you know, beforehand he talked about it and he said that Butler did say that he would like more pick and rolls to be part of more pick and rolls. He does, Butler does, would prefer the offense to be more isolation plays and clear outs and, things more to his than Brett Brown likes to play more of a, um, a free flowing kind of, you know, catches catch Ken um, type of attack, Um, you know, but uh, going forward, I mean, it's a very interesting situation. They're 26 and 14. They're on pace to win 53 games this year, get a top four seed in the East. Um, but Jimmy Butler, you know, can be a free agent at the end of the season. And the whole reason you traded Covington and Sarich and uh, Bayless uh, to the uh, Timberwolves for Butler was to re-sign him because they can give him, I believe it's $190 million over five years. They have an advantage over the other 29 NBA teams with Butler. So you want to re-sign him. Um, if you can't, you have a lot of money, but, you, you know, the – the the Raptors can give Kawhi Leonard more money than anybody in more years, and the uh, Golden State Warriors can give Clay Thompson more money in more years than anybody. So the Sixers would not have an advantage with anybody else. So obviously, uh, Joel Embiid has to is, is the guy. He's the main guy. You have to make sure he gets his touches. And Ben Simmons needs the ball in his hand. He's a point guard. Um, he hadn't been shooting a lot mid range. The last three games, he has been. He hasn't shot. Uh, as many uh, 15-footers as I think they'd like him, but he is uh, being more uh, looking for those shots more, not necessarily making them, but taking them. Uh, Because if you do run pick and rolls with, let's say, Butler and Embiid, what's Simmons going to do? He's not a spot-up shooter. Um, You know, what what will his role be? So that's what you – it's kind of a puzzle, and Brett Brown's got to figure it out, really. He's got three stars, uh, you know, in a matter of speaking – Try to keep them all happy, keep winning, uh, but you want to make sure or, or hope that Butler wants to stay here, um, which would make the Sixers, you know, viable going forward too. Um, so there's kind of a lot going on, and Brown's got, you know, uh, you know, he's got a tough job in terms of balancing all these things and, you know, uh, trying to make it work while winning and keeping all these guys happy. 
Yeah, and that's tough to do, which Simmons against the Mavericks had another triple-double, 20 points, 14 boards, 11 assists, finished at plus 12 in the plus-minus. Um, but looking here, he shot two of six from the free-throw line and nine of 16 from the floor. And if I know Ben Simmons like I know Ben Simmons, like you said, not a lot of jump shooting going on there for him. Um is it just one of those things where you're going to have to basically kind of balance Butler and Simmons touching the ball? Because when you have Simmons in the pick and roll, you're going to go, the defender's going to go underneath the screen and dare him to shoot. So I've noticed Ben is better when he is the one setting the screen rolling to the basket than he is when he's the guy who is getting the screen set for him, maybe from Embiid. Maybe you have Jimmy, um, handle the ball and Simmons set the screen and maybe roll to the basket where he's more dangerous. Do you think that's something that the Sixers could look into when those two are on the court together? Yeah, that's, that's a possibility. Uh, I, I agree. Or you could do it so that, you know, for like three minutes a half, let's say you have when you have Simmons on the bench, you have Butler and Embiid play. Um, and then later when those two are on the bench, you have Simmons out there and he becomes the focal point on offense whether he's out there with Reddick or whoever. Um, now, that's not a long-term uh, big-minute solution, but maybe combined with what you said and what I said, maybe that's a way to, you know, kind of try to do more of these things. Um, because Butler came here, he's one of the leading, uh, I think he was number two in the league in fourth-quarter scoring, and he hit a couple, of, he hit three-pointers to beat, I think it was the uh, Hornets and the Nets um, in his first 15 days here but has not been as involved, uh, you know, late in games. Now, he missed the last two games with an upper respiratory infection. Sounds like he should be ready to go um, tomorrow night against the Wizards. Uh, But, you know, it's it's kind of a balancing act. And, you know, J.J. Redick is the the best three-point shooter on the roster. So he's going to – they're going to run a lot of plays for him too because he's so good coming off screens. He shoots the ball, squares up so well and so quickly, and – you know, um, you know, really helps to stretch the floor and keep, you know, allow uh, Joel Embiid to have space inside. So Butler's a decent outside shooter, but he's more of a slasher, mid-range guy, you know, get to the basket and finish and, you know, pull up and shoot 15, 16 footers. So you have, the, you know, three guys all with different skill sets, but they don't all necessarily complement each other. So when they play together, which is at the beginning of games, the beginning of the third quarter and, you know, perhaps at the end of games down the stretch, you need to, uh, you know, work some things out in terms of trying to, you know, get everybody their touches while also being productive. Yeah, and a guy that's going to play a big role in that rotation is a guy uh, we're big fans of on the show, T.J. McConnell. Uh, He's a guy who can knock down a shot when asked, but – he just does so many things, and we talk about him continuously on the show. He's one of those guys that we feel is an unsung hero in the NBA. What's McConnell meant to this team since the Fultz situation, which I do want to talk about in a little bit, but since uh, Fultz has kind of vanished for a little while and McConnell's now basically the number two, what's he meant to this team, and has how has he embraced this role? Yeah, it, it, that's also an interesting situation. The Sixers, you know, did try to extend McConnell's contract, but I don't, I don't think it was a lot of money or anything. You know, he wants to play. This is his fourth year, um, and he's a backup point guard here, and maybe he'll be a backup somewhere else. But, 
you know, for a while last year and for a while this year, you know, he really wasn't playing much at all, you know, with faults and the uncertainty with faults and so on. But, you know, last year the only playoff game they won in Boston was the game where Brown kind of out of desperation started McConnell, and I think he went seven for ten and kind of just gave him some toughness. And, you know, they would follow his lead in terms of, you know, he he, he gets these ten-foot shots that at two and doesn't jump real well. You don't know how he gets them, but – he just kind of finds – he's a guy that just kind of finds a way. And I think his teammates really like playing with him. They, they like that he's not afraid and he's, a, you know, very aggressive um, defensively and so on. Now, they have to watch because sometimes he's out there with Simmons and, you know, you, you need a shooter. If he's out there with Simmons, Reddick better be out there too because you need somebody to, to space the floor. Um, and, and that's another thing that Brown has to do is they really could, you know, they really could use a shooter off the bench. They could really use a wing defender and they could really use a backup five man. Now they have a, an empty roster spot um, from the Sarge Covington trade for Butler. They did create a spot in that deal. Um, so I think they're going to probably do something, whether it's by the trade deadline in early February or after somebody gets bought out, there's a lot of different, but they, there's a lot of options, but they, they, they need, help in potentially three different areas. And Brett Brown believes the most important area would be kind of a wing defender more off the bench, uh, but also perhaps maybe playing late game situations or whatever. So, um, you know, Elton Brand has some work to do. Last year they added Ilya Silva and Bellinelli, who really kind of gave him a boost and helped helped uh, spearhead that 16-game winning streak to end the, the regular season. Um, so, you know, the, the – Landry Shamet, uh, you know, has played pretty well, uh, and Furkan Korkmaz, but I don't know if you trust them enough in a playoff situation in a seven-game series with down-to-the-wire games. I'm not sure if they're ready for that, and that's what why adding a a veteran guy, whether it's somebody like Wayne Ellington or, or whoever, somebody in the last year of a contract who you could pick up uh, you know, it gets bought out or you could trade, you know, for another guy with an expiring contract that could really bolster that bench. The bench has been an, uh, an issue even when everybody's healthy. Um, they have, they've been, have tried trouble holding leads and, you know, uh, the danger there is then you end up playing the starters too many minutes and they're too worn down when it gets to be late April and May. Yeah, and it's interesting that they go from having three wing players and not enough spots to go around. They trade two of them, and now they need a wing. So I found that to be something that's like, well, we have too much of this, but now we don't have enough. So that's an you interesting – like uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, they trade Covington. They trade Sarge, both who can play the three. And now they have well, Wilson Chandler. Sarge Sarge can on offense, but Sarge cannot play the three on defense, and that was part of the problem. No, well, he doesn't move his feet well yeah. enough to play the three on defense. So he can play the three on offense, no question about it. But yeah, it's interesting. Some people think that um, some people think you know the trade. Maybe they would have been better trading Simmons for for Butler or not giving up. You know, they lost two starters and replaced them with one, albeit a better guy. It's an interesting. Then you have the whole locker room thing and everything. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's it's interesting. Uh, you can look at it a lot of different ways. Well, as a Wolves fan, I do think uh, I do think the Sixers organizations for Rocco and for Sarich, I've really enjoyed their time here so far and hope for many years of success down the road with them. <laughs> but um, Markel Fultz, let's talk about him. I know – this guy garners more attention not playing than he does when he's on the court. 
what's going on with Markel Fultz? Has there been any updates? Has there been any you know any news on what's going on with his situation from his camp? What do you know about Markel Fultz's situation right now? Yeah, not a whole lot really. Um, uh, you know, he was, he was supposedly getting treatment, seeing specialists. It, it, kind of vague I just don't know uh, you know how it gets resolved that you know ideally he would play he would come back and play to increase his value whether it's to help this team or to you know to allow them to trade somewhere else because I mean you know they're they still owe the um the Celtics the uh, the Kings uh pick which is only top one protected um so if it's number two through you know, whatever, it's going to the Celtics. Um, and right now I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 or 11 or whatever. So, you know, you gave up the number three pick and conceivably like the number 10 pick for Marco Fultz, who it's unclear if he's going to play again as a sixer. And if he does, what his role is going to be, um, you know, it's uh, there may be something in his shoulder that's, that kind of triggers something, in you know, um, in his head. But I think... I think it just sure seems like it's more than just physical, the pro- the issue here. Um, and I don't know how it gets resolved. I'm not sure that I think the Sixers seem a little, they don't sort of know what to do. The ball's kind of in, in Fultz's court and see what the next step is. But it, you know, it, at this point, it seems like it could be anything at, at any time. It could be weeks. It could be months. It could be who knows. Are they still asking for a first-round pick for Fultz? Is that still the asking price? And if they are, has anybody reached out, maybe made an offer, maybe a counter-offer for Fultz, maybe like a second-round pick or, you know, an expiring contract or something for him? Yeah, they were apparently asking for a first-round pick or a protected first-round pick, but didn't apparently have any, uh, any bites there. Um, You could probably get a second-round pick and an expiring guy for him, but, you know, I don't know what its value is, but that sure seems like pennies on the dollar. So unless you just want to get rid of them and end it and get, if you think it's a distraction, which doesn't seem like it is right now, but at some point if he comes back or, or there's more news or whatever, it could be more of a distraction. You know, if you just want to end it and do that, you could, but you know, you're, you gave up a lot to get this guy, um, Jason Tatum and whoever, you know, the Celtics take with that other pick, um, so I don't, I really don't know. I don't know how, how this, you know, what happens here, how this gets resolved and how the Sixers and or faults move on from this. Yeah, it's a rough situation. And, uh, unfortunately one that we saw kind of saw coming here on, on the show. Um, so Sixers front office, you can contact us and, uh, we'll hook you up on the next one. I'm kidding. But now this was something we did see coming kind of early on in the show's history. Uh, but one more thing here and I'll let you go. The Sixers are on a little bit of a win streak right now. They're playing well, uh, fourth seed right now in the East. They're only a half game back of Indiana and a two games back of Milwaukee, three games back of first place. Boston is five games back. They've kind of separated – those five teams have kind of separated themselves into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference right now. Where do you think, Philly, come the end of the season, depending on, you know, what they what games are, are left on the schedule, the all-star break, and assuming they, they go out and maybe try to fill a, a void at the expiring contract's 
they're probably going to end up top five. Where would you, if you had to predict, where would you see them ending up if the if you had to pick right now of the top five? Yeah, uh, I would guess three or four. Um, I I know the Pacers have been really good, but I have a feeling they're going to end up five. And I, I do think that the you know the Raptors are the team to beat, barring something happening to Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. I think the Celtics are going to move up, whether it's number two or number three. I think Milwaukee's for real. So, you know, you have, you, right, like you said, you have four or five, you know, really good teams. Obviously, getting the top seed would be pretty important. Um, getting, I mean, getting a top four seed, because at least you'd have home court advantage in the first round. Um, and then if you're number four, let's say you, you get the Raptors in the second round, if you could beat the Pacers, whoever ends up number five. So um, I think they're a top four, uh, you know, seed, but, uh, you know, that it's a little tenuous and, you know, depending on how things go and the, how things work out and, the, you know, the decisions in terms of changes to the offense and really the defense has kind of been more of an issue um, than, than the offense for this team. Some defensive inconsistency where they've given up some big three-point shooting games, and they really struggled against perimeter guys. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had two thirty-point games against them. They've given up a lot of thirty-point games to you know wing guys who can create their own shot. They really struggled against them. So that, I think that's why Brown uh, mm-hmm. really thinks that a, a wing defender is something they could really use. Okay. Well, Tom, we appreciate you jumping on with us here and talking a little. Uh... A little basketball and a little Eagles football. Let's change it up here, and that was mostly for Tom. We'll sure. let him. Uh, we'll let him love on his Eagles there for a while. He he told me I wrote yeah. him off when they lost early on in the season. So anything from here on out, he's happy. But uh, let our listeners know where they can find you at on uh, social media and keep up with you. Sure, sure. Um, on Twitter at Tom Moore Philly. Um, that's T O M M O O R E P H I L L Y or online at buckscountycouriertimes.com slash sports. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much again for jumping on, and we'll hope to have you back soon for more Sixers updates. If the Eagles win, we'll call it good good juju, and we'll have you back next week if they win. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Tom. Have a good one. Sure. You too. Take care. And that was my conversation with Tom Moore from the Bucks County. I can never get that right. Bucks County Courier Times. That's a mouthful. But uh, Tom's gracious enough to give us some of his time and jump on the show here. So we thank him so much. And uh, T.R., did you want to talk about the Sixers a little bit more before we uh, move on to our next subject? Yeah, I mean, before Tom jumped on, we had uh, – I just mentioned T.J. McConnell. I try to name drop as many shows as I can just because he never gets his – just do, but I did want to mention that uh, when I when the Mavericks came to town uh, last Saturday night, um, I was interested in seeing Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, obviously for a full game and every every possession, and he had a bad game here. At one point, he was one for ten from the field, et cetera. But that that's not where I was going. Um, it was bittersweet because at for about ten minutes of that game, the matchup that TJ had was. Brunson from Villanova and it it was like I I didn't want TJ to shut him down and he he did manage to you know kick in I I think he scored like 
seven or eight points or what have you, but it was just like, ah, shit, can't you guard somebody else? Let Brunson, like, dog Ben Simmons or something. Yeah, and TJ, I I love TJ McConnell. Like, it's hard not to love TJ McConnell, honestly. He's such a good player. And and he does everything right, and his plus-minus is ridiculous. We see what he does on the court, and it's just like, we really, the NBA needs more guys like this. And he just does so I mean, many things. And I, go ahead. In case, in case there's a first-time listener, we're we're not saying he's Michael Jordan, but we're no, saying no, he's such not. a strapper, such a strapper with the great attitude and the do whatever it takes to win. Whatever team he's on, it it gets better. You know. So. Yeah, it does. That's that's what and, we're saying. And there's a lot of players like that in the league. There's a lot of players who you just make teams better when they're on on the court and he's one of them and he's just such a he's just such a good player to to do things like that. We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this special Breaking news report. Kicking it live to our news reporter up in the Great White North. Here is Tim Dombrova. Good day, Nate. What a stunning introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that. But here we are with some breaking NBA news. Were you aware, sir? That the unibrow is no more. Anthony Davis has shaved his unibrow? Anthony Davis has reportedly shaved his unibrow. Well, no wonder the Pelicans aren't winning. Which maybe explains a lot about global warming also. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the, uh, the Samson hair. It was the strength of all of his power. I read today, sir, in an article that apparently he has shaved the unibrow, and now he can no longer be spotted in a crowd. <laughs> the fact that he's seven foot tall, nobody can pick him out. It had to be I the fear, brow. I, I fear he will now be ninja stealthy-like on the court. <laughs> nobody will be able to stop him. We, Where did he go? He blends in. <laughs> I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna have to confirm that story, but that's what I read that he reportedly has shaved off the brow. In well, the we'll have that to die. Happened, what ten years ago, or however long yeah. he's been around, whatever it's been. Good lord, what a but what a move. I mean, talk about brave. Very brave, fashion icon. So we move from that stunning story to uh, what is in the water. In Minnesota, that first ice probably fi- that first they fired the well-respected and probably one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NBA, Tom Thibodeau. Now, last night, debatable. <laughs> Mr. Wiggins is caught on Mike using the slang "gay." Derek Rose yeah. is telling his doubters that they should go kill themselves. What the hell is going on up there in Minnesota? Slang caught off guard. Poor choice of words. Um, 
So who knows there? Again, poor choice of words. I, you know, not something I condone, but I think it's just like, it, look, if if the president can say what he says and Congress can say we're going to, can say what they say, then I think we can kind of overlook this. So, so the gay slur is all right, and telling people to kill themselves is also okay. No, it's not okay. No, it's not, not at all. okay. But, all right, well, fair. No, it's not. But they both get passes because they're professional athletes. They shouldn't get passes, but I think it was just slang terms taken out of context. They both get passes because they're Democrats. No. Fair enough. They get passes. They're going to get passes for me because they're Minnesota Timberwolves. That's why. <laughs> and they won last night. So. <laughs> now, in a more serious matter, uh, police in Philadelphia are on the lookout for a seven-foot-plus man who reportedly is attempting to steal the seats of youngsters during NBA games. I haven't seen this. He's cleverly disguised in a Joel Embiid jersey. <laughs> Did you see this? Did you see this story? I have not seen this. I have not Joel seen this. Joel Embiid during the game, uh, in a bit of a blowout apparently, goes up into the crowd, plucks a child out of his seat, sits down, plumps the, plucks the, puts the child back on his knee, and has popcorn and talks to the kid for a while during the game. <laughs> That's kind of rumors cool, are that uh, Embiid is practicing for a gig of Santa and uh, asks the kid repeatedly, do you trust the process? Actually, I heard that uh, Embiid did that because he missed Markel Fultz, and that's how they used to talk. Well, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole other story. Uh, speaking of Markel Fultz, he's a Peter, uh, apparently is invisible still. But I did read today, and this is, this is actually kind of interesting. He's only the third uh, reported case of that particular injury in NBA history. Really? And uh, the other two guys I had never heard of, and apparently the one, it ruined his career entirely, and the second guy was able to come back uh, like years later, and he played in like Europe or something, but he never did regain his form entirely. Yeah. Did not know that's that. An interesting, that's an interesting tidbit for uh, the 76er followers out there. Yeah, that really uh, I got is. Two, I got two more big stories, and then whatever we can go to whatever you want. But okay. th- this one frightens this one frightens me a little bit. All right, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, uh, what are yeah. they? Nine and something. One of the worst <laughs> records in there. Uh, what are the, they? Gunning bad. for the first round pick, right? I say, what are, what are they? Bad. <laughs> That's bad, what yeah, they but are. They're 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 in a they're in a dog fight for that first round pick. They're eight and thirty-three right now. They're the worst. So they're they're gunning the for that first overall pick. Yeah. So, so what do they do? They they are under investigation for tampering <laughs> with Patrick McCaw. Who apparently, <laughs> if you, I mean, I don't know if you know this story. I don't. But go ahead. Well, well apparently he was on. Uh, uh, he had some kind of a big deal coming up with ever wherever he was. They promptly signed him 
and then dumped him before anything could could go into effect, therefore saving themselves the money and the other team the money. Mm. But they are now under investigation, and uh, if found guilty, will lose their first-round pick. Oh, my God. <laughs> only, <laughs> only in Cleveland, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, only Cleveland, in Cleveland you, can this happen. Cleveland, you never fail to disappoint. <laughs> never then, let me down. In one of the NBA's softer moments. Yes. Uh, as parting gifts upon his firing, Tom Thibodeau sends to the uh, starting five of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves how to manage your time better books. <laughs> Why working 48 minutes in a day won't kill you. Yeah. Or Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, apparently. That's uh, an interesting read. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau's other book coming out next year, A Career. Why do you need that when you can play all your minutes now? So uh, go ahead and check that out. I've, I've, I've dug deeper into the Tom Thibodeau saga. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure how, how deep you, you and Tom have covered it. Uh, um, somewhat, but we haven't dived. I won't say we dove really deep in it. I'm hoping John Krasinski will be on next week to give us a more detailed. Uh, yeah, well, he, he will be able to. Okay, but he's going to be able to give you a look behind the scenes that, of course, we can't yeah. look at. But here, I'm, I'm just dissecting what is, uh, you know, apparent for anyone who's willing to sift through the uh, uh, the, the rubble that is Tom Thibodeau in his career, I guess you could say. Let's put it that way. Um, now, I was not aware of where Tom started his coaching career out at. Are you, sir? Mm, not 100%. Well, it explains a lot. Well, you know, uh, did you know that uh, Tom's first coaching job was of course at that NCAA powerhouse, uh, Salem State. I did not know that. Where he was an assistant coach uh, for a year, or for three years, assistant coach, which is all fine, uh, and then became the head coach and took Salem State to a stunning nine and seventeen record. <laughs> what a In the, what a champion! In the and, and I know this is gonna this is going to send shivers down your spine, a nine and seventeen record in the powerhouse Massachusetts State Collegiate Athletic Conference. Yes, they are number two behind uh, the Armando Martinez College for the Deaf, Dumb, and Blind <laughs> League. So uh, that's a that's a that's a tough one. So so he couldn't even get it done at a magic school, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he so now, let's So let's let's take this further. So he fails at at uh, at, Harry, at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. This uh, becomes the assistant uh, coach at uh, Harvard. Now I don't know what his record was at Harvard because apparently it was such a stunning uh, tenure there that they don't even bother to talk about it in the article. Uh, he then becomes the uh, assistant in Minnesota two years, assistant in San Antonio for two years, assistant in Philadelphia for two years, 
gets a bit of a break and spends eight years in New York. Yeah. Uh, while they're god awful miserable between '96 and 2004, is the assistant in Houston for three years. Then he gets lucky. He becomes the assistant in Boston and catches a lucky break one night when the regular head coach can't coach. And he gets to coach a game. And the Bulls go on to win the title that year. Or the Celtics, sorry. They go on to win the title that year. Now, so so far, really, he's done absolutely nothing except uh, uh, he's known for bringing his defense to, to these teams, tightening them up defensively. Yeah. All right, but here's where I think this is where I, I, I become, like, it's not a big basketball fan. I become, I, I wonder why the Timberwolves would let him go. Uh, he goes to Chicago and becomes the head coach of the Bulls and proves without a shadow of a doubt as he takes Chicago to first in the Central twice, mm-hmm. three times second in the Central Division. And proves that you in Chicago you can win without Michael Jordan in the lineup. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah, they they won games. They his won record games. his records in Chicago are incredible. Two and twenty. The fifty and sixteen in the in the short season there. Uh, yeah. he, he's well above five hundred in every year. But they just can't get it done in the playoffs, right? Because <laughs> his starters are all exhausted. Because because his team has played three seasons during the regular season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, you want to know why <laughs> Derrick Rose is it. broken? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's the reason right there. Uh, no, there's there's just I, I I've been utterly shocked in all seriousness uh, as people sit here and I and I continue to read today and watch on TV this morning. How people are still utterly stunned that this guy got fired, and no, and it's just that they can't understand why he just had a twenty-two point victory. How bizarre! What's going on? What? Well, I'll tell you. Nineteen and twenty-one after forty games. There you go. Yeah, that'll do it every time. You know, lost in the first round two two years ago, and and missed the playoffs a year before that. They're, they're, I don't know, but. Uh, I would think that would be the all it would take. Well, and the Jimmy Butler saga on top of that. And let's not forget that uh, he's already ruining Robert Covington. And he was ruining um, ruining Towns and Wiggins. But did you happen to see the stat line last night from uh, the Wolves game? I, the first, I did because uh, I thought I maybe uh, that they'd only provided me with the first half statistics for Minnesota. <laughs> at least for minute, at least minutes wise, yeah, right? Because the uh, the, the minutes the, there was nothing in the forties. Yeah, highest minutes last night was Wiggins with thirty seven, and then uh, Towns only played twenty four. Uh, Gibson twenty four. Akogi, our rookie, the guy Tibbs wouldn't play thirty six minutes. Teague twenty five. Well, apparently, apparently uh, he was what is it? Ryan Strauss is that his name? Ryan Saunders. Saunders, sorry. That apparently he was mobbed in the dressing room. He was. He it was awesome. Treat, and he got the full treatment like they'd just won the, the title. Well, you know, he, got he, the whole is, he is, as of right now, he is undefeated in NBA coaching. He is 1-0. and 
the only undefeated coach in NBA history right now. He's he's he is the youngest guy to win his debut since 1979. Yeah, I saw that. He uh, the guy who was in charge of the of the team flip saunders for years uh the guy that you know he passed away and he was one of the heads of minnesota his son we're looking at the minutes here uh teague 25 minutes get dang 22 sarge 25 tolliver 20 tice jones 23 wiggins had 40 and 10 last night 40 and 10 which is and probably 16 still of 18 much. from the free throw line Tell me that guy didn't want to show people he could play last night. I heard he's thinking about growing a unibrow. <laughs> well, hey, if it helps. If it well, helps. now that he'd be the now that you'd be the only one, right? Like you don't want to do it when there's already one. No, now if that you, guy's you can't. if Davis has seriously gotten rid of his, maybe that's a move you make, right? Yeah, but the Wolves now are only one game under 500, and they are eight games back of first place. They are two games back of eighth place in the West. And they're well, and this was a game I thought they would lose their next game. And sorry we're talking a lot about the Wolves, but they're really making a lot of news right now. Their next game is Friday. We'll about whatever we want. Friday at home as they go. They have two home games on back-to-backs. They play Friday against the Mavericks and Saturday against the Pelicans. So... I'm going right Tuesday. out on a limb, Nate. I'm walking right out on that branch. I'm taking my big, fat, wide man can't jump, way too fat carcass out on the skinniest branch of the fucking tree. They win them both, baby. They might. But then Tuesday, the matchup of matchups. Minnesota travels to Philadelphia. Where they crush that non-arm lifting Process trusting, <laughs> behind the backstabbing, whining Jimmy Butler bitch. Oh, oh I hope Nothing somebody. I hope Jimmy happy. Butler goes up for a three. And who's the biggest guy? Who's who's the largest player on the Timberwolves? Towns is probably the tallest, biggest. I'd probably we need weight go here. A weight. Yeah, I'm looking for weight. I'd, uh, let's go with uh, either Tolliver or Gorgie. Probably Gorgie. Yeah, so we, we need him to go up for Gorgie. the three. He comes down awkwardly, and that guy lands full bore with an elbow right to his groin. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> we get to, and then and then at least Jimmy Butler will have something legitimate to bitch about. <laughs> well, we dive into that on the episode here with Tom Moore and Tom Robinson and me, and we really dive deep into that one. Yeah, well, we'll That's let's, let's, point our, uh, let's point our ship in a different direction then. We don't want to cover that too much. Yeah, um, you'll get a plenty of that. But um, What else we got going on? Uh, LeVar Ball apparently afraid of uh, LeBron James. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> well, have you noticed you haven't, haven't heard a word about him? Wild how that works. Been, you get been, a big uh, a big dog in town, and that's what happens. Yeah, been utterly silent. Reports out of uh, L.A. are that uh, uh, it didn't take LeVar very long to figure out that uh, LeBron James is not Magic Johnson and could give two <laughs> shits and will have his kid traded yeah. in the heartbeat if he so sees fit, 
And Definitely would. The bar has decided to be very quiet. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up here, I saw this earlier, and I shared it in the uh, the wide men group. Clay Thompson last night had 43 points in a win against the New York Knicks. He scored 43 points and only took four dribbles. Now, granted, he wasn't walk. These weren't walks. I'm not going to say he was walking because he wasn't. He was just a catch and shoot all night, and he was on fire. So he only needed to take four dribbles to score 43 points the whole night. I, I thought maybe he had, when I wasn't looking, the NBA had adopted our 10-point play, and he had figured it out. <laughs> I think what had happened was the NBA uh, realized that four dribbles is what James Harden takes in about a year, so they let Clay get away with it for one game. So we'll see what yeah, happens I figured there. out that play. I know now how that works. We were really weren't thinking. We were we were we we had said that you know, it was ten points for a deflection off the head. Yeah. But really, but really, what it is is you get a guy. Oh, I don't know, like a big, long-headed mook like Jimmy Butler, <laughs> who runs up to the basket, jumps up as high as he can, and lays his head parallel with the basket, and then a big and then like Embiid takes it and just rolls the ball on his head into the hoop from another 10 inches out, eh? Yeah. I understand. You see where I'm going with this? I do. So there's, there's I do room there for, for, like, severe injury if Joel decides he's a little bit mad at Jimmy. And instead of laying it, you know, and just rolling it off his head, he decides to dunk. So you see where I'm going uh, with this? Yeah, I, I think I do know where you're going with this, but you go ahead. All right. Well, I, I'm happy to announce the wide men can't jump, smash Jimmy Butler's head in Patreon page. <laughs> where we'll spend your money right. If you can give us, we just need 10 guys to give us a million dollars each. And we can get Jimmy Butler's head smashed in, but I think $10 million will do it. You should. Well, because he does, he does have a bit of me. Oh, speaking of which, let's backtrack to Thibodeau just for a minute. Go ahead. He's mentioning this. Every, everybody else was going, you know, oh, that poor guy got fired, blah, 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 blah. He's still getting paid another $20 million. No, Not if well, you throw that out there. Best $20 that the, t- the team ever spent getting rid of him. $20 million. Well, best $20 million then. Well, I don't know if it's the best $20 million they spent. And, and how do you feel about a uh, return of Kevin Garnett? I love Kevin Garnett. I'd love to have him back. Yeah, r- rumors, rumors rumble that they, they, the, the uh, <laughs> that the Timber will spring back Kevin Garnett in some capacity. I would be com- totally okay with that. Um, there's rumors that Chauncey Billups may step into the GM role. Uh, there's rumors Fred Hoiberg may step into the coaching role. Right now, I'm pretty happy with Ryan Saunders because the team seems to love him. Uh, and as long as they're I think okay you with it. that out until the season is over. Yeah. That's the last yeah, thing think, they need to do now is to, to panic. Yeah, and I would, make I would a call keep him in on nothing. Yeah, I would keep him in the head coaching spot until the end of the year and then make the decision at the end of the year. But Minnesota this season against Oklahoma City, 2 and 0. 2 and 0 this season. I also uh, I also think that now is probably a pretty good time that we can probably get Alan Harton off the radio. Yeah, probably. I'll have to get and replace him with and replace him with Nate Bush. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to 
take Allen's job, but if he needs a sidekick, you know. <laughs> well, no, because you're uh, going to need a sidekick, and that's going to be me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be known throughout NBA circles as the uh, some kind of a play on beard and Canadian, the bushy beaver. <laughs> there we go, the bearded <laughs> beaver. <laughs> I don't think that's something you want to hear. <laughs> oh, it's something you want to watch, maybe. I don't know about, I don't know about hearing, maybe. but <laughs> depending on what you're into. But uh, the bearded beaver combo. Up, I I did want to bring up one thing. The uh, I don't know if you saw it last night. Uh, the Nuggets were playing the Heat last night, and uh, Jamal Murray made a free throw, and it a guy from the crowd ran onto the court in a Dwayne Wade jersey and grabbed it and handed it to the ref. <laughs> Good lord, that's a lot of planning. Yeah. For a moment that may never happen. Yeah, honestly, but he did it. Yeah, like you're all funny. in on that, really. Yeah, I also and enjoyed. Uh, holder done. <laughs> I don't know if it happened last night, but it was in the past week, I believe. Or, uh, it's not NBA, but uh, where Zion Williams took a. Uh, I don't know if it was an errant pass or whatever it was, but took it right off the dome. Mm. And. And shook it off like a Zulu warrior, and I don't mean that to be in any way um, disparaging. Yeah, I know. What you mean. I mean, most most guys at the very least would have, you know, stutter stepped, you know, shook the head and looked back at the guy like, "Hey, what the hell?" Yeah, he 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 didn't even flinch. It's kind of like you know, if his mouth would have been open, he would have ate the ball yeah. and just kept running. That guy, let me tell you. I don't know who's going to end up with him on their team, but bloody hell, he is a man-child. Yeah, he, he's a monster. Uh, speaking of taking a hit on the head, uh, we want to send out best wishes to Nerlens Noel, who uh, took an elbow oh, I was to the face. To that. Oh, okay. I was getting My to bad. that where the where the genius where the genius of the NBA medical staff has uh, he's been diagnosed with a concussion. No yeah, he's got shit. a concussion after he took an elbow to the face and then fell and hit his head off the court. Eight, uh, luckily, eight he's okay. three square feet of parquet flooring. Yeah, pretty, pretty sure he's got a concussion. Yeah, yeah, and it, it looked rough. He was out, but um, not a not a scapular okay. imbalance by any chance. No, no, this is a real injury. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's not in the NBA injuries for dummies book. No, it's not in. It's not in the Markel Fultz how to get paid without really trying book. So, uh, uh, I see the the Don King book of injuries, as it were. <laughs> Markel Fultz, the, not the thriller in Manila, but but the boulder in my shoulder. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty tough to come up with a rhyme for Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> well, sucks. Something but. feeling silly in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta go put my my warm ups back on because I feel chilly. <laughs> oh God, he makes so much money. Oh. He never. Do you, do you think he's ever gonna see the card again? Honestly, in Philly, no. 
probably not in Philly. And Some, somebody might take a chance on him. Of, somebody might take a chance on him, but I think he's done in Philly. I think that I think they are finally admitting what they've done, and they've decided to uh, cut bait. I don't know what he could ever do there to make up for it at this point, short of you know becoming yeah. Michael Jordan, you know, or LeBron yeah, James just, numbers. Yeah, I don't single-handedly him. takes the. He single-handedly, unlike Michael or LeBron, who puts teams on their shoulder, he he single-handedly drug them into the playoffs. Yeah, did. But yeah. Tim, Tim, we have got to get back to our regularly scheduled programming now. After this breaking news report, hit God the airwaves. I know. I'm going to talk to your president about my inability to get equal time on this program. <laughs> you, you've had it for weeks. <laughs> but I don't get equal time. I demand, oh, I want to be in the in the main chair for a show. I want to drive this ship, baby. Well, we'll see what we can do for that. I'm going to drive it all the way from the 76ers right into Philadelphia to the Flyers where we'll talk about Gritty. So screw you. Take this basketball show and stick it. <laughs> well, that's been breaking news with the Great White North Zone, Tim Dombrova. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled entertainment. Dr. Let, let's kind of look around the NBA. We, we haven't really, you and I haven't had a chance to talk a lot about the league, but according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Chandler Parsons is not going to be finishing up with the Grizzlies this season. Um, he says he's ready to get back and play on the court, but the Grizzlies are kind of just done with him. Uh, seems like they're just kind of washing their hands of the whole situation with Chandler Parsons. He has been nothing but just, his run in Memphis may go down as one of the worst runs a player can have. It's been awful. <laughs> he had uh, less time in Memphis than Ric Flair, I guess. <laughs> it was like uh, the WWF's run on uh, on TBS. We'll just go oh, that way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's been All a black, right. black Saturday for a while for him. Yeah, I don't. You know, I'm not the biggest Chandler Parsons guy as as it is. So, uh, just I hope like he doesn't him. end up here. You I said you like do Chandler like him. I do. I really do. He is a he's a solid player, but he's been injured and he just hasn't been able to get it together like Memphis would want. And I don't think he's the kind of player that fits in with what Memphis wants to do anyway. Memphis kind of seems like a team where it's like okay. You know, we need you to go out here and play hard-nosed defense. Well, Chandler Parsons, I'm not going to say he's a bad defender, but he's not, no, you know, he's not Tony Allen. He's he's not Javon Carter. He's not, you know, he's not going to turn anybody's heads when it comes to defense. But this dude can score. And yeah, I, think I mean, if, if, if the, you know, I think Philly would use him, but I think if that contract's just ridiculous. There's no way that Philly could pick him up and, and use him. But I think he, he could be valuable on a team at the right place for the right price. I mean, if it was a package deal with his brother, Alan from the Alan Parsons project, I would <laughs> consider bringing him in. 
<laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we need an uh, eye in the sky. I keep thinking of, uh, every time I hear that, I think of uh, Austin Powers, the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it doesn't look like Chandler Parsons is going to be in Memphis anymore. So, if you're looking for a wing player around the league, here comes your man, Chandler Parsons. We'll see how the, the contract situation balances out, though. So, this is going to be interesting. Another Another guy, and this one's making a, quite a bit of news right now. Kevin Love, apparently there is some interest going around the league in trading for Kevin Love. Now, remember, the Cavs just re-signed him in the offseason to a just insane contract. Like, an insane deal for like five years. And remember, he signed it in front of, you know, heart, the hard hat wearing people in Cleveland. And he's one of those people that um, Cleveland wants to build around. But it seems like now the, there's a lot of people trying to make a move to get him. The Hornets and the Mavericks are apparently interested in Kevin Love. What are your thoughts on Kevin Love? Do you take that contract, that five years, a hundred and some odd million dollars that Kevin Love's got and you get that contract or, or, or what? Or do you just kind of leave him? Is he, is he getting too old? Is he worn out? He, he he's no spring chicken anymore. He's not old, but in five years, let's let's go ahead and look at this. I'm gonna go ahead and dive into this real quick. Kevin Love currently, well, he's older than me. He is 30 years old right now. He's got four years left after this season. He will be 31 next season. So you're gonna be looking at a 35 year old man, roughly, who has been playing now for. This is his 11th year in the league, I believe, 10th or 11th year in the league. Is he worth, you know, trying to trade for um, if you're not a contender? Uh, it seems, he seems like, that seems like a, a Dallas type trade. It seems like a Mark Cuban type yeah. maneuver. Um, Cuban being the owner, but he's very hands-on. Um I, I, you know, I've always liked Love in, in both roles, in the role as the monster with, like, 30 rebounds a game when he played for you guys. And uh, I just liked him, and I, I kind of chuckled when you saw, said he signed an insane contract considering he's got <laughs> mental health problems. But, uh, sorry, yeah. I have them I have them too. It wasn't, it, so wasn't meant to, it wasn't meant to be like that, but, you know, we'll, we'll roll with it. <laughs> Now, I mean, you know, I if if he were healthy, I you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing his big ass here. But uh, who was the other squad besides the Mavericks you brought up? The Hornets. The Hornets. I mean, like, I and here and here, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. I know it seems weird. I if I'm the Hornets, yeah, I make that deal. I do. I make that deal. You get out from under that ridiculous Nick Batum contract because if there's a contract that's worse than Kevin Love's, it's Nick Batum's. Um, you basically get rid of that deal, probably throw in Marvin Williams um, and get him out of there, or Frank Kaminsky, either one, get him out of there. Then you're looking at Kimball Walker, and you can finally start Malik Monk. You've got... Kid Gilchrist and Bridges, who can kind of go back and forth at that three spot. And Bridges has been better this year than I thought he would be. 
I'll totally admit to being wrong. I was wrong on him. You put love in there at the four, and then you uh, then you're kind of you're still kind of weak at that five spot. Um, you know, you're still starting. Uh, I think Cody Zeller, but Love can stretch the floor. He can give Kimba more room to operate. You'll have knockdown shooters with Monk and Bridges has developed a decent little shot. If Kid Gilchrist is on the court, that just fucks up the whole rotation. But if you've got you know, Walker able to drive, Love able to kind of stretch the floor, and Love can get rebounds again, and he can start being that monster again because people are going to have to respect Kimba, and Love can get himself in great position to get a rebound. I think it makes sense for Charlotte to make that deal. They've got the bad contract space to make it happen. Dallas, I don't think Dallas has got bad contracts per se. Maybe Harrison Barnes' contract isn't exactly lovely, but I still like Harrison Barnes. He's still young. I don't really like Nick Batum at this stage of his career. And for some reason, I have a feeling that Dallas will probably throw Dennis Smith Jr. in on that trade for some stupid reason because they've got this wild hair up their their ass that they need Luka Doncic to be the ball handler down there, and I, they just need to keep Dennis Smith. But well, who knows? Who knows? But I think it makes more sense for Charlotte. How's background Josh Brown feel about Luka? You know he he's he's quite fond of Luca. I'll say that, <laughs> and I, I and I really don't blame him. Did you have you seen this kid's like the, just the handles he has when isolating? Good lord, some of the things he can do. Yeah, at nineteen years old, there's there's not many Scary. that are that polished and a bit and you know with the size and everything else too. Yeah, and, and remember. He's got quite a bit of baby fat on him still. He, come the off season, he's going to be getting quite the look in terms of you know building his body, getting stronger, and it's going to be fun to watch him grow because I think by the time he's twenty two years old, this kid's easily a, a top top fifteen player in the league. Yeah, so for we'll sure. see for sure. So we'll see what they decide to do there. Um. Looking around a little more, TR, um, who seems to be, to you, one of those teams that you've really been disappointed on? Besides the Chicago Bulls, and we've both iterated that, but uh, it's been kind of a rough season this year for the Pelicans. And there's a lot of trade rumors, especially with Anthony Davis going around, that the Pelicans' lack of being able to win – and they're really struggling. You know, Alfred Payton has made them a better team, but, you know, how much better? Julius Randle's look good. Davis back in the lineup, but it's, they're just not putting it together. A lot of people are predicting the Lakers are going to try and trade for Anthony Davis. That's uh, been denied by the Pelicans organization. But if you're the Pelicans, do you go ahead and put him out on the table and say, all right, Throw us something. Give us some picks. We need some players, some picks. We're blowing this up. Let's try again. Because his contract's up uh, in a couple weeks. Where are they at right now as far as uh, standings? The Pelicans, so the Pelicans right now are, I believe, 13th in the West, which would put them about a game and a half back of the playoffs. But they are, excuse me, they are 12th in the West. They are eight and a half games back of first. They're 19 and 22. Uh, the Lakers are the eighth seed right now. They are three games behind the Lakers for the eighth seed in the West. Mm. Um, 
boy, don't listen to the season preview. I had them pretty high. Uh, well, I mean, we all thought they were going to do good. It, it's been disappointing. Like we said, they added players. I thought they did a good job with Randall, and they they went and got um, uh, Alfred Payton, who I thought was a good addition, but nevertheless. Anthony Davis for years has always been that, you know, that guy rumored to be or the heir apparent or and he is he is a phenomenal player um however i i know the celtics had interest and you just mentioned the lakers Uh, are they the only two that come to mind that are pursuing him actively I mean, those are those are the big names. I mean, I'm sure 30 teams picked up, or 29 teams picked up the phone and said, hey, is he available? You know, what would it take? But it just seems like the Celtics have been one of the teams that are making the news because they can offer, you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And even Jason Tatum was quoted as saying, hell, I'd trade me for Anthony Davis. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a kick out of that. I thought it was funny. So he's like, well, I understand. He goes, yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> I'd trade me. But I, the Celtics, I just don't know how that contract situation is going to work out. Yeah, you can get rid of Jalen Brown, but there's a lot of pieces there, especially with how much money Davis is making. And he's even went on record as saying, yeah, I'm more worried about winning, not so much on the money. Of course, you can say that when you're making millions of dollars. You know, what's what's another $10 million, right? On top of the yeah, uh, hundred and hundred and forty million. Pose. Uh, you know, I, I had the Pelicans higher, and you know, there's a lot of season left, but it doesn't seem like they had any massive injuries to key players. You know, so uh, as far as long term, so I, I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe his time is done there. Um, but if I if I were New, uh, New Orleans, I would certainly, you know, char overcharge. I'd pull a Danny Ainge, and just I'd out Ainge Ainge or uh, <laughs> Magic, or I'd out Ainge uh, Magic Johnson and just get you know picks and players and everything in between, because uh, you know he's he's the one guy out there that seems to be sought after, and teams would probably overcompensate for oh yeah you know they would and they'd be all over him trying to get him and it's one of those would you please please give me this guy and i just don't know if i just don't know if he's going to be one of those that uh depends on the asking price because it's going to depend on the the money going to depend on how much you know and, and let's not forget here as as good as he is kind of injury prone he gets hurt a lot he, he's missed a lot yeah. of games and don't great player not saying i wouldn't would love to have him on my team i would but there's injuries and it depends on the asking price uh if danny ainge calls i'm not picking the phone up if i'm uh, yeah. more wants to be because it's like no no he'll talk us into taking him for uh you know marcus morris no, we're not doing it, but <laughs> sprinkle some Ainge dust on it, and that's all she wrote. But Davis, I think, will end up with a new team soon. Uh, he's kind of he, – he's nonchalantly made it clear he wants out. And maybe the time has come. I don't know, but we'll see. 
at least he's giving a heads up and not bailing out in the contract year, and he's not uh, waiting until the last week before the the regular season starts and uh, then doing an interview with Rachel Nichols and being a little pussy about it. So we'll see what happens there. I'm talking to you, Jimmy Butler. I I think the audience uh, knows well enough to know who you were referring to. (laughs) They don't. They should by now, damn it. Uh, (laughs) Rachel Nichols flies to New Orleans. Never mind. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Rachel Nichols in New Orleans. Hey, if Rachel Nichols comes to Philly, look out. Heads up. Be careful. (laughs) Something's about to go down. Giving you a heads up. (laughs) Well, that's a double entendre there. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I saw an interesting question TR um, This popped up on Twitter And I think this is a fun little question and I want to dive into this a little bit If you could take any player From the NBA Pre-injury And go back in time And take their injuries away You know what I mean Like say this guy will never get injured who would you go back and pick? Uh, There's been a lot of interesting discussion on this. This is morbid, but Len Bias. Oh, and, and you know what? That's a lot of people saying that. I mean, that to me, that's a legitimate answer. There's been a lot of people saying, you know what? I would go back because they want to see what Len Bias could do in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, at the time I was young, but he was uh... – he was uh, Jordan-esque at, you know, in college, Maryland. Uh, Maryland, yeah, he played Maryland. Me. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, that was just kind of an off-the-cuff joke answer. I'd have to think a little bit. Maybe you could throw some names at me and, and warm me up a little bit. Well, the first one that popped in my mind was Tracy McGrady. Uh, if you could go back and remove the injuries T-Mac had in his career, man, what a player he was. He was a special talent. Um I, and honestly, one year, only once, only one year, but there was one year where he was the best player in the league. I know Kobe was there, but Tracy McGrady was overall the best player in the league for one season. Um, it was it was the year he had 13 against the Spurs in like, I don't know, like a minute. He scored like 13 straight in a minute to beat the Spurs. I don't know if you remember that game. Yeah, he was a badass for sure. Um, oh, God, yeah. Besides just, you know, uh, the highlight reel that he could put on with the dunks and the moves and so forth, he could play, he could yeah. he could shoot, shoot the lights out, and et cetera. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good answer. Um, he was the first one that came to my mind. And then, of course, Lynn Bias. A lot of people said Lynn Bias. Um, Greg Oden was another guy I heard uh, quite a few uh, name drops for. Uh, Grant Hill was one, uh, Gilbert Arenas, you know, even though he's kind of made a comeback right now, Derek Rose, Brandon Roy, there's been a lot of, a lot of names pop up. So I don't know. I just was interested to get your take on that. I'm sure there's somebody escaping my brain that, that, that I really like that got kind of Penny, maybe Penny Hardaway. Penny. Yeah. I mean, there's guys that, um, they they come back from injury, but they're just not ever the same. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure some names are eluding my brain right now. Um, 
but I'll work on it and, and get to it uh, either yeah, next I, week or later I, in the show. Somebody commented on this, but Mark L. Fault. Bill Walton has been listed here. Uh, Larry Johnson. Uh, Yao Ming. Quite a few players here that you could – and McGrady was just the first one that popped in my head. Uh, but consensus right now is looking like, you know, the names that we've named. Somebody put Sam Bowie. Um, yeah. Been a lot of players with Allen Houston, D-Rose, you know, seems to be – somebody said Adam Morrison. I don't think uh, I don't think saving him was going to uh, do much. But uh, bless his yeah. heart. So there, there's quite a few names to throw out there. If you if you listen to the show, throw tweet us at Wide Jump. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think this is an interesting subject. Um, if you could save anybody from getting hurt uh, and ruining their careers, not maybe not ruin their careers, but you know save them from the injury that maybe slowed them down. You know who would it be? I, another guy I would say would be. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Drazen, Pe- Drazen Petrovic. I think Drazen right, Petrovic. Right, right. I think he'd be cool to have uh, had he not passed away at such a young age. But yeah, that, that that's an interesting an interesting way to look at it. All right, well, Tr, I had a chance. At, while you think on this, I had a chance to sit down with uh, CBS Sports' own and Sports Illustrated's own Robin Lundberg, and we talked about the league. We talked a lot. Of, you know, we jumped around the league, talked a little bit about this, a little of that. So it's kind of a uh, an, a hodgepodge of conversation that he and I had, but we had fun with it. And we talked a lot about, you know, what's going on in the league, who, you know, just the, the top stories, basically. So it's, you're around the league with me and Robin Lundberg. So we'll take a listen to that, and we will be right back on the other side after this from Wow Free Cam and my talk with Robin Lundberg. We'll be right back. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave WowFreeCam.com is the number one cam site on the internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to WowFreeCam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on WowFreeCam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? Yeah. You motorboat son of a bitch, you old sailor, you. Or you could be into... Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, WowFreeCam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at WowFreeCam.com, so be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website, but make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun. Going on over at WowFreeCam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. Joining me right now is... Sports Illustrated and CBS radio personality, Robin Lumber. Robin, thanks for jumping on with us. You got it, man. What's going on? Uh, not a lot. Just talking a little hoops here. Let's go ahead and uh, we're going to jump around the league a little bit here. First, I want to talk about 
the Houston Rockets. They've been the uh, the story really of the new year so far. They've really turned it around. Had a slow start. Now they're kind of cooking with gas. You can say that James Harden's been great. What's been the difference for the Rockets moving forward here uh, in from December into January? I, I think you know it's a few things. They got back to their identity more than anything else, which is look they they are a team that was built around what, what James Harden could do or when Chris Paul came in, what James Harden and Chris Paul can do, you know, individually, really. And they, they got back to that. You had the, the Carmelo Anthony issue at the beginning of this, the season. But really, you settle into the, the season, you, you get back to what worked for you, and then James Harden, um, that has been great. I mean, look, he gets assisted by free throws a little bit, but nevertheless, you, you can't front on, on what the guy has done. So, I think it's just kind of Mike D'Antoni um, knowing what worked before and going to that over and over and over again. I don't know how that will translate come the postseason. I still think they clearly need Chris Paul back for the playoffs, obviously, and you have to hope that Chris Paul looks better than he did at the beginning of the year. But it's very reminiscent of the Houston Rockets team from two years ago, right? Not to mention that Clint Capella has gotten back in his groove as well. Yeah, and if you get Chris Paul back in this lineup, I think they'll just start clicking on all cylinders. Uh, they were having to replace some some players like Ariza and Bob Mute, and that hurt their rotation a little bit. But I think they're starting to figure it out. Once they do, they're going to be where I'd say most of us thought they would be to begin with on the season. Um, big story broke yesterday. Uh, I'm a T-Wolves fan, so this was big to me. Minnesota finally fires Tom Thibodeau after rumors have been circulating since the Jimmy Butler saga. Uh, are you hearing anything from Minnesota uh, about why the decision was made specifically yesterday or any kind of rumors circulating out there about who could be the next guy up in Minnesota? We've heard various names, Mitch. I mean, Fred Hoiberg, right? That, that was a name, you know, that would be crazy considering he replaced Thibodeau in, in Chicago. Um, you know, Monty Williams, I saw possibly after overcoming some tragedy, maybe getting back in. But I, I don't know. It, it seems to me that the timing, and this is just pure speculation, the timing makes me think something actually happened um, behind the scenes to necessitate this move at this point. But, but ultimately, I think this was sort of a, a, you know, a long time coming. It didn't seem to be the right fit the kind of guys they have on that roster, the kind of coach Tibbs is. And once Jimmy Butler, the idea that he allowed that saga to play out for so long, um, obviously Jimmy, Jimmy is one of uh, Coach Tibbs' guys. He let, let that saga play out for so long, and then once that ended, it, it seemed like maybe it was the beginning of the end for, for Tibbs at, at that point. But the, the timing was certainly head-scratching. Yeah, especially after they get a huge win in L.A. And, uh, you know, Wiggins looked great in that game. Towns played great. And then all of a sudden, it's just they jerked the rug out from under him. A lot of people are saying it's the minutes because, he, he, you know, the Wolves had a 20-point lead and he was still playing his starters with five minutes to go. Um, do you think that might have anything to do with it? Was the franchise worried that maybe he was starting to wear out Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins' legs this early in their career? Well, that's been a concern with him, right? I mean, over the course of his, his career, you get these coaches that get um, a knock that sticks with them, and, and sometimes it sticks with them because there's truth. We were just talking about D'Antoni 
you know, in the past that's been defense. Maybe it was overstated at, at times, but, um, you know, clearly that's been an issue for his teams. And, and for Thibodeau, it, it has been running guys into the ground. I mean, we were just talking about Jimmy Butler. He planned, you know, it's one of the reasons I've always respected Jimmy Butler's game is that he was able to play all those minutes on both ends, uh, putting aside the, the stuff that may go on, you know, behind closed doors there. But I, I can't imagine that it was that game. Like, I can't imagine they saw him playing Towns in the fourth quarter and said, all right, that's it. To me, that this decision had to be in the making for a while and something, you know, was the, the catalyst for it happening that Sunday, but I can't imagine it was because of anything that happened in that game against the Lakers. Yeah, it's been my fault too, but speaking of Jimmy Butler, uh, rumors circulating that he challenged uh, Coach Brett Brown in Philly, kind of running rampant. We're going to be speaking with Tom Moore uh, on the show about that. I wanted to get your take on it. What do you, is Jimmy Butler just is he just going to be unhappy for his whole NBA career, or is this something that's getting blown way out of proportion by the media? If there's a problem in Philadelphia, then Jimmy Butler is clearly the common denominator in these problems. Um, I think as of now, I'm going to say it's a little overblown. You know, Woj has figured out a way to like sort of sensationalize his reports a little bit. Where I'm not doubting the information he's getting, but I'm sort of doubting the interpretation of the information to be as salacious as it is. Remember when when LeBron, uh, not Le- I say LeBron like he is the Lakers. I, I guess he kind of is, right? But remember when the, the story came out about Luke Walton and Magic Johnson at the beginning of the year with the Lakers, and it made yeah. it seem like his firing yeah. was imminent. But if you actually read the substance of the story, it basically said that. Luke Walton had a meeting with his boss, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and maybe maybe there was some heated discussion in that meeting, but it's not as if you if you had just read Luke Walton meets with boss Magic Johnson, that wouldn't strike you as out of the norm. I'm sure plenty of you know coaches meet with the the, the GM, you know, for for whatever reason. And if you read the article on the Jimmy Butler thing, it says that Brett Brown didn't consider that outside of the realm of their relationship. And Butler obviously is a direct guy in, in his line of communicating. So if if later on this falls apart um, because Jimmy Butler is is a problem, um, if if Simmons and Butler and and Embiid wind up feuding, you have to look at Jimmy Butler. But right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk this up to perhaps the headline being a little bit more sensational or the interpretation of the information being a little bit more sensational than the actual substance of the information. Philly's been good since Jimmy Butler got there. I I really think their biggest issue is all the guys not named Butler, Simmons, and NBA. (laughs) They need more guys who are are NBA players. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. Um, I still think Butler is going to cause an issue there, but I don't think he's reached that point as of yet. This is something I've been asking most of my guests when they come on. Washington Wizards. John Wall's done for the year. They have Bradley Beal. They trade and get Trevor Ariza. Should Washington just go ahead and embrace the tank, or do you think they've got a shot? They're 13 games back of first place in the East. They're only, uh, surprisingly, three and a half back of the eighth seed. Should they battle for a playoff position, or do you think they really need to just kind of 
all right, let's go ahead, tank, get a good pick. Maybe we get lucky with the ping pong balls. What do you think Washington's best idea uh, for their franchise is? Even when at their best, Washington's ceiling was upper middle class mediocrity, right? Um, I, I don't think that was ever going to be a championship core. Um, I, I don't think they were ever going to be winning a trophy or anything like that. So I, I I would, if I were in charge, trade Bradley Beal while his value is high uh, this this season, trade Bradley Beal, tank the rest of this season for a draft pick, and then obviously you can't trade him right now because he's hurt, but um, look into pro- perhaps trading John Wall in the offseason once, he, once he's, he's healthy. Uh, and back on the basketball court resuming basketball activities because they already have shown, I, I think, that the top level of that core. Um, the core is not going to get any better. The situation's not going to get any better. So uh, it, it's rebuild time if I'm in charge. Yeah, I was have to agree with you. Um Looking at the Western Conference right now, the team setting up top, uh, to most people's surprise, more than likely, I assume. Not many people saw this coming. The Denver Nuggets, they've won five in a row. And the number one seed in the West right now, are the Nuggets for real or is this kind of a uh, just a flash in the pan and maybe they'll settle down here? But do you think they're for real and can compete with the top teams in the West come playoff time? It depends on what for real means. I, I think the Nuggets are good. Um, to the other part of your question, do I think they can compete with the best teams in the West? No, I don't. Um, I would take Golden State. I would take Houston. I would take Oklahoma City. I'd take the Lakers in a playoff series against the, the Nuggets. Um, they improved. They have a, a lot of good players. Uh, Jokic, obviously, is a really good player. Um, you know, they're a deep team. They're a good team. They're kind of where maybe like Toronto was before Kawhi Leonard got there. You know, that kind of level team, uh, maybe. But I still think um, they're, when it gets to playoff time, I don't know if they have the, the guys that, that I trust in those situations, especially relative to some of those other teams in the West. Mm. Yeah, I predicted the Nuggets would finish in the top four uh, in the in this season. I didn't expect them to be number one, but uh, we'll see uh, what happens. And as we go from there, one more question, and I'll let you go. I know you're busy, and I do appreciate you giving me some time here to talk a little hoops, and uh, we appreciate you coming back. You're always welcome on the show here. Is there a team or teams that maybe have impressed you with the way they've played so far this year, or maybe there's a team or teams that have really disappointed you with their level of play so far this year. Uh, Do you have one, maybe of each? Sure. Uh, I would say uh, um, the the team that surprised me, how about Brooklyn? Um, I think Brooklyn is is building something. Uh, They have a a good management. They have a, a winning culture that I think is emerging there. They have some nice players, some nice pieces that they got somehow without any assets. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is starting to come into his own. We saw Karis LeVert get hurt, but he was, he was good before he went down. Spencer Dinwiddie's a nice player that they, they signed to a reasonable contract. Joe Harris is a, a nice player. So if I was um, 
I apologize if you can hear my my daughter singing in the background. Uh, oh, if I was not a, a problem. Agent, like a, say a Kevin Durant, I would. Uh, and I was thinking about going to New York. I would consider Brooklyn. Um, that's a that's an opportunity to um, earn a different sort of cred, where you 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 take a team that that has nice pieces but elevate them, and then also be like genuinely the sole face of a franchise. Uh, but I, I think the Nets are, are on the rise. As far as teams that have disappointed, uh, you got to say the Pelicans. It, it's making it so that the Anthony Davis situation uh, is coming to a head faster than, than we may have even imagined. I, I always thought he was going to wind up getting his way out of there, but it, maybe that timeline has been accelerated. And then, you know, the, the Lakers a little bit as of late uh, since LeBron went down. I mean, it's proving, once again, LeBron's the, the most valuable player who ever existed. Um, but the Lakers look an awful lot like the Cavs, right? It's like the Spider-Man meme yeah. pointing at each other. The Cavs without LeBron, the Lakers without <laughs> LeBron. And, and they, they've had a bunch of other injuries, too, so that, that factors in. But I like, you know, the Lakers' core a little bit better than I did the Cavs' other roster, so you would have hoped they could have stayed afloat. This will be a forgotten thing as soon as LeBron gets back, so they're not my answer for the full season, for the full season, it's the Pelicans. I, I think the Lakers will be competing once LeBron gets back. But they, it's um, a little bit of a disappointing stretch for them. So positive uh, Brooklyn, negative New Orleans. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking your time out of your day, and I hated to interrupt your concert there. It sounds like you've got a good one going on. <laughs> yeah, well, I was running around, man. I had, to, I had to leave work to go pick up my kids from school so someone was there to get them then I had to go back to work to do something uh, with them in tow and now I'm driving back home and, and you know like she just thought in the car it's time to sing and I can't really blame her nothing wrong with that not, not a thing wrong with that but Robin thank you so much for jumping on with us and giving us some time uh, once our listeners know where they can hear you and find you at and uh, keep up with you Sure. Uh, SI Now Live is the, is the show every day, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. It's on SI.com, uh, SI's Twitter, SI's Facebook. They also, there's clips of the show that are on SI.com and, and posted on uh, at SI Now Twitter account throughout the day. And then Saturday a.m., CBS Sports Radio, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. There's also a, a podcast version of that. And maybe I'll record that version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and, and sell that on on iTunes or Spotify or something as well. <laughs> oh, you'll make you'll make a killing with that version. That's a, oh, she's rocking out. <laughs> well, Robert, thank you so much for jumping on with us and talking with us, and we hope to have you back real soon. All right, man, appreciate it. Not a problem. Keep your Twinkle Twinkle rocking. <laughs> Thanks. And that was my conversation with Robin Lundberg. Thanks again to Robin and to Tom Moore, our guest this evening on Wide Men Can Jump. TR, are you still hanging in there? Have you had a chance to to pick one of those players yet, or are you just kind of sticking with uh, all the answers that we've thrown out there so far? I think I'm going to stick and, and, and put my crack research team to work uh, and have a, a few examples next week of people I think could have did better after injury. Okay. 
Well, we'll we'll take a look at that next week for sure. But TR, I'm going to propose this to you. And no, we're not getting married when I say propose. Um, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna bring this up to you. I want you to do me do me a solid here. We're starting a new okay. segment, but I need you to pick two things. All right. First, I need you to pick a number between one and thirty. Uh, twenty six. Twenty six. All right. Number twenty six. All right, now I need you to give me a year between 1985 and now. Any year. Uh, 2006. 2006. All right, so TR goes with 26 and 2006. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about doing this last week. I'm going to pull, and we're eventually going to get to where I'm drawing these out of a bag, but right now, we're going to look at the NBA draft from 2006. This is going to be our did it work or did it not make or miss our kind of our draft, uh, our draft look at things here. So we're going to look at the 26th pick of the draft. Okay. And we're going to see how this player, if we recognize him, is he still in the league? How was his career? So we're going to take a look at that. All right. You ready for this TR? Who? Let's see who you went with. In this random pickage. The 26th pick of the 2006 draft belonged to the Los Angeles Lakers. And I with got that pick, for sure. <laughs> and with that pick, they took Jordan Farmar. He was a point guard, right-handed shooter, six foot two, 180 pounds. And I'm looking for his college right here. I didn't have it in front of me. Here we go. He was taken out of the University of California, Los Angeles, and was ranked 20th in the 2004 recruiting rank and made his debut on October 31st of 2006. So Farmar, for his career, averaged 7.7 points. He played in 504 NBA games. He started 40 of those games. He averaged 19.5 minutes per game. He went 42% shooting for his career. He was, he averaged 1.23 pointers per game. He attempted three per game at a 37% rate. He had an effective field goal percentage of 50.7. And he was a fairly decent free throw shooter, shot 73, I will say 74% free throw percentage. Averaged 1.6 defensive rebounds, 1.9 total rebounds. Averaged three assists for his career, as well as a steal on top of that. Jordan Farmer. I remember Jordan Farmer on those Lakers teams. This guy was a valuable piece. I do. I do. He was a valuable piece for that Los Angeles Lakers uh, organization. Played beside Kobe Bryant. Um, had a nice career in the NBA. For a 26th overall pick, it's not a bad career, uh, what Jordan Farmar did. He played a long time in the league. That's interesting because I don't remember the gentleman. Uh, you said he came you out of UCLA. You don't remember Jordan Farmar. Wow, you don't remember Jordan uh, Farmar. The, if it was the 80s or 90s, I'd probably be more dialed in, but the 2000s are just a blur. Um, yeah. For me. He played for the Lakers uh, from 2006 to 2010, 
Then he played for the New Jersey Nets from 2010 to 2012. Got two championship rings, by the way. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, did get two championship rings. And then he returned to the league okay. after he left the Nets in 2012. He came back to the Lakers in 2013, 2014, and then played for the Clippers 2014, 2015. Played for the Grizzlies in 2016, as well as the Kings. So he's doing a little all over the place. Uh, a few 10 day contracts here and there. He could probably still ball then if he was playing that recently. Yeah, I mean, and that's think about that. How how cool is that that this guy was drafted in 2006 and in 2016 he's still getting looked at. Ten year career playing basketball, you know, some overseas, but he's mostly playing in the NBA. He got some championship rings. Was able to stay, you know, basically uh, stay in the game for a while. So I think Jordan Farmar, you know, first round pick, twenty six, they got value out of him. He's no Kuzma, but he, they got value for him at that position. I, I like that pick, and uh, that, that's a good place to start on that new segment. I think this is going to be fun. The because I'm really waiting for when we get just like a shitty player that none of us have ever heard of, you know, a Darky Johnson esque right. kind of player. <laughs> 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 well, also, it, you know, it shows. Many many names and faces that have been through the league, and maybe maybe uh, with your with your slick moves on Twitter, you could you could find a Jordan. Is it Farmar or Tharmar? Um, Farmar. I don't know how it's pronounced. Farmar. Maybe we could find one of these random picks that we pick up and and have them on. Well, I've been working on it. I've been trying to land a. Uh, been trying to land uh, some guests, but uh, Jordan Farmar. I found him on Twitter. He hasn't tweeted since 2013, so if that tells you anything. Uh, I guess we better find his Facebook or something. <laughs> we're, we're going on a search for Jordan Farmar. Yeah. <laughs> Last seen on Twitter, 2013. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a fun little segment. Um, I think we'll have a good time with it. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Tim has to say about some of these guys because I can already tell you from Tim just being like, uh, who the hell? Who's that all the boot? You know, yeah, Tim talks. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it's, uh, I think it'll be fun. We'll have a good time with that. But uh, anything else, TR, you want to bring up before we dive into the. Uh, any deeper, or, or not dive deeper, before we actually we get out of here, we're wrapping up the show here shortly. Anything else you want to dive into? Uh, a lot of big games coming up this week. We've seen, you know, developments all over the league. And it's going to be it's going to be fun because all-star, vote, all-star voting, that's what I wanted to bring up. I'm glad I thought of that. All-star voting. You still have time to vote for the NBA All-Star game. Um, I'll be the first to tell you I never watched the NBA All-Star game. Uh, <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but I don't. I never watch it. I just I, I get fed up with it. But the first returns were released about a week ago, and let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, take a look here. The West, your top vote getters out west in the front court: LeBron James, number two; Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, wow. Anthony Davis, Paul George, then Stephen Adams, Jokic, Kyle Kuzma, Draymond Green, Boogie Cousins. The guards, Steph Curry, then Derrick Rose, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Two names are screaming at me right now. Three, actually. 
Um, Luka Doncic, he's a rookie. He's already the second most vote getters in the front court. Derrick Rose, the big comeback. Everybody loves it in the West. And DeMarcus Cousins hasn't played in a fucking game, but yet he got 92,000 votes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are strange. Looking at the East but now. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead, go ahead. It'd be cool to uh, see Doncic and, 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 and Rose make the team. Yeah, I would, and I think they both deserve it. Um, looking at the front court now for the East, Guinness and Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, top vote getter. Then Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Blake Griffin, Vince Carter, Andre Drummond, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford. It's, that's, okay, All right, I can see that. Uh, yeah. Then the guard. Now, this is where things are going to get weird. Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade, Kimball Walker, Ben Simmons, Victor Oladipo, Kyle Lowry, Zach Levine, Jeremy Lin, Bradley Bill, and John Wall. Well, John Wall's not going to make it because he's no. out for the But Jeremy Lin? <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. Insanity. I guess Insanity's I, back. I know it's a worldwide vote, but Jeremy Lin? This is why this is why we the people should not should not have this right. We should not have this much responsibility. I said it. Let's, <laughs> I let's the, put up a I wall. Hate crowd, I hate the crowd <laughs> vote. I hate I'll oh, start with that wall bullshit. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. Not that kind of show. The, all, the all star voters need to be inside the American uh, inside America. No, no. <laughs> well, just, just jokes. Just jokes. Definitely. But uh that's going to do it for this edition of Why Men Can't Jump. TR, thanks so much for jumping on. We had a great show. We want to thank our sponsors, wowfreecam.com, as well as the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, and anywhere you find podcasts. Also, widemencantjump.com. Get there, check out the articles, check out everything that's going on over there. And you can stream the show from there as well. You can go on there and check it out. So be sure to check it out. The It's going great over there on our website. You can follow us at Wide Jump. You can follow me at MMITM Nathan. TR is at TR Shock. Tim is going to, or Tim is Tileman68. So you can follow all of us on Twitter. TR, anything you want to add before we jet and get out of here and wrap it up for this week's edition of Wide Men Can't Jump? Yeah, I, you know, as I said, I'm coming back into the basketball geek that I was that I kind of took off for a little while. Uh, but this week, bear with me, folks, because we have the Philadelphia Eagles defending, the reigning defending, the undisputed world heavyweight champions, um, Philadelphia Eagles playing the Saints this weekend. So my mind's a little diverted, but I'll be back with bells on next week. Oh, yeah, and we'll have a great show planned for you next week. Thanks to our guests, Tom Moore and to Robin Lundberg for jumping on with us. We thank you all for listening in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Tweet us. Let us know what you think. Thank you guys so much. Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you download from Apple Podcasts. And uh, that'll do it for us this week. TR, send us home. Peace. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump you can download this and any other episode from our network at itunes podcast addict stitcher iHeartRadio, pod paradise 
Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump.